321 I Relaunch, podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co-founder of I Relaunch and your host for today. Today, we're speaking with Liz Logie, corporate counsel for The Real Real, the scorching hot luxury online consignment retailer that just went public in June and has a market capitalization of over $2 billion. Liz is a relauncher herself and relaunched her legal career at Sibley as part of the OnRamp Fellowship, a paid mid-level associate role for returning attorneys before rejoining The Real Real. And we're going to hear about that rejoin journey and Liz's career journey in its entirety right now. Liz, welcome to 321 I Relaunch. Thank you, Carol. I am delighted to be here and happy to talk to you about um, my experience. Yes, well, I can't wait to hear your relaunch story and I'm, I'm just so excited about it. So can you start by walking us through your career path? I, I know that you had a 10-year career break. I'm interested in, in whether you can recount for our audience your pre-career break career, your 10-year career break, and then uh, your entrepreneurial venture that, that you embarked on before getting the on-ramp fellowship. Sure. Um, so when I came out of law school, uh, I went to work for Simpson Thatcher in New York City. Um, I had done my summer there as well between second and third years, and I joined the corporate banking department there and did a, a fairly wide variety of work, but uh, focused primarily on banking. It was a very, very busy time, the late 80s. Um, as I'm sure some of the, your listeners recall, there was a lot of um, merger activity. I recall. I was in banking on the investment banking side in the late 80s, and boy, it was wild. Yes, it was wild and busy and um, learned a ton very, very quickly. So I was at I was at Simpson Thatcher for about almost three years and then chose to move to a smaller firm in the city, thinking that my hours would be a little bit better. That didn't turn out to be necessarily the case. Um, and I, I probably am a little bit sorry that I left Simpson when I did, um, but because I loved the people there were fantastic and the work was so interesting. But anyway, I, I did go to a smaller midtown firm, which no longer exists actually. And um, then after ab- about two years there, I was pregnant with my first child. And that's when I uh, took, that's when I began my break. So that was in 1991 when my son was born. And I spent, we ended up moving out to the suburbs. We left the city and I spent 10 years having two more children and being a full-time stay-at-home mother, uh, very busy with very active children, um, very involved in various community organizations and school-related efforts. So I I definitely kept myself very busy. Um, But by about year eight, I was really I had really had it. I really needed to get back to doing something that was going to feel um, fulfilling to me professionally, intellectually. So I had always, always loved fashion. I mean, my mother would say I came out of the womb fully accessorized. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I I truly, I, I can remember seeing my first Vogue magazine at my best friend's house. Her mother was very into fashion. I grew up in a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, by the way, in Western Pennsylvania. But I do remember seeing my first 
uh, Vogue, and I just always had a passion for it and an interest in it and a love of it. And so when I was considering what I would do to go back to work, I really, I didn't consider law at that point. Um, I hadn't really loved my last job, and so it made it less appealing probably than it might have been otherwise to go back to practicing law. But I, I decided that I really um, wanted to try my hand to somehow get myself into the fashion business. So I started taking classes at FIT in New York, really with the idea that I would start a business uh, involved with consulting for professional women on, you know, styling them basically. And because having, having been in the corporate law um, environment, you could see how appearance, you know, whether you, whether you like it or not, appearance does matter. And I, I felt like I knew plenty of women at that time who were undermining their own success by not looking the part and um, mm-hmm. themselves through their the image they present. Um, Liz, hold on a second. You mentioned you took classes at FIC. Can you say what that is? Oh, Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. Right, so they great. have a wonderful um, adjunct faculty and a continuing education program that is phenomenal because they can obviously pull from so many experts um, who are based in New York and in the garment industry. And so I went and I took, as I said, I was planning to do a consulting business. So I took classes in in the beginning that were more related to that, um, whether it was image, um, color, just all sorts of, and business type classes. Uh, for a consultant. And then I took a production class. It just was really interesting to me. So I took this class in garment production and our project for the class was to come up with an idea for a, a product. And I, I have always worn a lot of men's wear button up shirt, button down shirts, uh, always since I was in junior high school. And I was always frustrated that I couldn't find that perfect shirt. You know, men's Men's shirts were beautiful with these, you know, wonderful collars and cuffs that had heft. And you could never find that for a woman. woman. Everything was always so floppy. So I came up with this idea for a button-down shirt that would have all sorts of detail. Um, I started out using vintage buttons. And I had found a place in the garment district that sold um, vintage trims and ribbons. And so basically what was an idea for a shirt line that had all of this detail. Um, and so it was sort of the shirt and the accessory in one. And when I presented it to my class, the woman who, the professor who was teaching the class, she was very experienced. She had helped launch Eileen Fisher and she loved the idea. And so she really encouraged me to pursue it. She helped me connect with uh, one of the hardest things about starting a small business in the fashion industry is, is having access to the resources because things like ordering fabric, the minimum quantities you have to order are so large. And ma- same with manufacturing, the min- you have to find uh, manufacturers who are willing to start with you with a very small production. So she introduced me to some of those resources, which was invaluable. And then in particular, she uh, introduced me to a fabric um, vendor and a fabric mill agent who represented various um, European mills. And it was that person who had been, he was Seymour Farber, who had literally been in the garment business. I think he was almost 80. He had been in the garment 
business since he was, you know, 17 years old or something, knew everyone in the business. And it was, he just took a liking to me. We took a liking to each other. And he um, connected me with my first manufacturer. And that was uh, critical to me being able to launch my shirt line, which was called Liz Logie. Originally, I had a completely different name. And again, this, this production professor said to me, you are crazy. You have the perfect name for a clothing line. You know, <laughs> the alliteration. She said, it's so, it's just ideal. She, so I said, oh, okay. Um, That's and so, yeah. So I, uh, my first production was, I, I worked with a um, custom shirt maker out in New Jersey. They were my first manufacturer. And again, that was so fortunate because they were small enough that I, they taught me a lot. You know, they taught me a lot about how to design and grade and, you know, just really what it means to produce a garment, which I didn't know. I, you know, I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing when I got into this. So that was, again, super fortunate. I got really lucky in the people I met um, off the bat that helped me get, get down the road with this business. And so my first production came out. It was 100 shirts. And I was so excited and I met, had met this um, person at FIT who I uh, did, uh, did a lot of classes with. We were always partners together in classes and she was a personal shopper or part of the personal shopping team at Barney's. And so when I was so excited about my first production, she said, oh, you have to bring them up. I want to see them. So I brought them into the personal shopping office at Barney's and just completely by chance, the manager of the store, of the Midtown store, the flagship, walked mm -hmm. into the personal shopping office and he said, whose shirts are these? And uh, I said, they're mine. And mm -hmm. he said, uh, would you be willing to leave them? The buyer's doing a walkthrough tomorrow. I'd like her to see them. <laughs> yeah, of course I was like, yeah, I think I could do that. <laughs> And uh, she came through and, you know, it takes a while to get into their, the flow of their um, buying calendar. But within the next season, the next full season, they picked me up at Barney's. And, you know, that's life changing for a small fashion company. So suddenly I had been trying to market on my own through trade shows and connections and cold calling. Um, I did a lot of um, charity events where you sell directly to the consumer um, yeah. and then try to get, you know, a following and then stores pick you up. And I was having some success at that. But once I was in Barney's, I mean, everybody's willing to have a look if you say you're in Barney's. And I had a very, very successful run at Barney's for about um, two and a half, three years. You know, like anything, they kind of cycle through uh, looks and brands and stuff. But it was very, very successful and uh, an amazing experience. And at that point, I had been picked up by Neiman Marcus, too. Um, so I had a couple of majors. Um, but, you know, it's a very, very hard business to be a small business in. And when the downturn came, uh, the economic downturn, I just got whacked from every direction and including a lot of my stores closed, the smaller stores, um, people cut their open to buy, they were looking for lower price points, et cetera. And then there were a lot of external factors as well in terms of the cost of production and the cost of goods. So I, and I became way too dependent on Neiman Marcus where you, it's very difficult to make money with them because of their discounting. So anyway, I, I just got, I, all of a sudden I was, my business was actually still 
pretty good, um, but I couldn't make any money. My margins had shrunk to nothing. So wow. I made it very difficult and heartbreaking. I did it for 10 years. I was in business. Wow. I couldn't get anybody to invest. You know, it was such a difficult time economically. I mean, people just didn't have that kind of money to sort of speculate on this small brand. I couldn't find any other brand interested. It, it was just a tough time in, in retail um, and, and clothing manufacturing. So anyway, I made the very, very difficult decision to close it. Yeah. Uh, I then um, was introduced to someone who was trying to launch a retail concept, ironically enough, around a sustainable fashion concept. Um, which wasn't part, of, it wasn't anything that I came up with. This was strictly this other person's idea. And she did not have any real fashion experience or retail experience. So she brought me on to help her launch it. And it went okay. But quite frankly, she was a little ahead of her time um, because... Yeah. You know, now it's so, so much, well, it's certainly a part of the narrative here at The Real Real and part of our, you know, what's becoming a big part of our mission. And it's it's also becoming such an important conversation within the fashion industry generally. So anyway, it, she was a little before her time and we and we struggled for sure. Um, and ended up, she ended up closing that as well. And that's when... I was contacted by someone from the real real because they were looking for a salesperson for um, Fairfield County and Westchester County. And I think, I, I believe they had called somebody at Saks Fifth Avenue and Greenwich Avenue and, and people knew, I, you know, people knew my story and stuff. Anybody in the fashion and retail um, world in that neck of the woods kind of knew who I was. So um, the woman at Saks said, I don't know anybody, but why don't you call Liz Logie? She might know somebody. Mm. And the person from The Real Real called me and she's describing the job to me. And, you know, the other thing was winding down our the retail um, business. And then and there were things going on in my personal life. And she was describing this job to me. And she said, do you know anyone? And I said, yes, me. <laughs> <laughs> And so I took the job and it was, you know, it was an amazing experience. First of all, I've never done sales, mm -hmm. it, but it's a very unique job in that you're going into people's homes. It's very entrepreneurial. Um, you sort of, you're building a book of business and they hadn't had a great success finding the right person in that in that region. So it was sort of an, you know, an open book for me to write. And, um, and I built it, I, I, I was quite successful and I built the book of business and um, was churning while I was the top producer in the company the first year I was there. Wow. And, and then, um, then things in my personal life kind of deteriorated further. And I realized that I really, was in a, a place where I needed to um, find a career and I needed to, you know, I, quite frankly, I needed to make more income. Mm -hmm. so I, I literally at one point Googled, well, I realized I had this epiphany. I was sort of like, what do I have? Where can I go? Um, and I said, you know, I've got this law degree. Right. I need to, I need to capitalize on it. So I literally, Carol, Googled 
women returning to law. <laughs> I am not kidding you. That was my Google search. Yeah. And two things popped up. One was Pace Law School used to have a program called um, New, New Directions. Yeah, so it's an excellent program, but it doesn't exist anymore. Right. Exactly. I was in the last one. And then the on-ramp fellowship. So I reached out to the directors of both of those programs and explained what where I who I was and where I was and what I thought I wanted to do to just see, get their advice on which program I should do. They both came back to me with do new directions and in while you're doing new directions do your application for the on-ramp fellowship and, and, you know, that's, that will be good, a good sequence for you. So that's what I did. So I did new directions and then um, halfway through that, I started the application process uh, for the on-ramp fellowship. Uh I ended up um, getting the on-ramp fellowship, which was life-changing quite frankly for me. Mm -hmm. And I started um, interviewing and I interviewed at Sidley Austin in New York, and Sidley has been was one of the founding firms. Um, yes, the, I remember that. And they are so committed to it, and so supportive of it. And I very, very fortunately uh, got a job offer from them. So I did. Uh, I joined them in the M and A group, um, and uh, I really was a first year associate. Uh, which is interesting at age 54 to be a first year. <laughs> um, but I, uh, so I joined in the, I actually didn't even end up, I completed all the coursework for New Directions, but I didn't do the externship because I had gotten the opportunity and, yeah. and was ready to go. Yes. So I started in, in November of 2018, right? 17. Yeah, yes, I, 17. Let me just interject for a second. So you're in the M&A group at Sidley, which is transaction oriented and it can be very fast paced and lots of, you know, 24 seven last minute stuff. How did that work for you in terms of the rest of your life? It was really hard. I'm not going to lie. It was really, really hard on, on so many levels because, you know, it's a very demanding job just for anyone who's doing it. Um, just the hours are are really tough and you have to be available 24 seven, as you said. Um, and I had come, you know, from a very different lifestyle. Um, so going back into the trenches like that was difficult just on its face. And then, you know, the, the bigger challenges, technology, even though I was pretty, I, I've used a lot of technology, but the technology that you use in the practice of law is very specific to the practice of law. For instance, the um, the document management system is so complicated until you master it, mm-hmm. and it's so important and so integral to the practice of law now. And just communication is so different, and no one um, you know no one speaks by phone. Everything's done by email, and um, so Sidley, I will be forever grateful. They particularly on the IT front. They, they just had someone available to me 24-7. Will Bennett became my best friend, essentially. He's the <laughs> IT trainer. Uh-huh. And I call him anytime. And he would literally come down to my office if I needed him to. So, And that was all Sidley, just being 
really supportive of you know the the onboarding process for someone like me and the other on-ramp fellows at the firm so obviously you know that was a big challenge and then it's just it's a strange place to be in sort of socially because while I had much more in common with the partners in terms of age and life experience and children and all of that. My peers were the ages of my children. Mm-hmm. That, it's very interesting to navigate that. I, I, I like to get, I will say, I give myself a little pat on the back. I think I did it pretty well. I made it very clear, you know, because for the associates, it was tough. The, those who were seen quote unquote senior to me, it was like giving work to your mother. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. And that and, at, you know, giving direction and, and asking me to do things that they didn't want to do or asking me to cover on a weekend. You know, that's hard. Right. And then partners, I actually think it was harder sometimes for the partners because navigating again, having me redline something, uh, you know, it's just it just was a very strange dynamic. And you have to kind of find your place there. Yeah. And. And I ended up, I left Sidley with an equal, I would say an equal number of friends who, and people I stay in touch with who are partners and associates. And that makes me really proud. (laughs) Um, I really, I think I navigated that pretty well, Um, but it's hard. Um, And there were times where, you know, I, I always, I called it five foot toddler syndrome. You know, if you see a kid on the playground, who's a super tall toddler and you expect them to be speaking in full sentences. Ah, right. To be, and, and they're not because they're really only a toddler. Um, that's how it felt sometimes. People's expectations uh, were different than the reality just based on my age and my appearance. And, um, you know, often if I go into a meeting with people from outside the firm, they assumed I was the partner in charge, you know. Right. It's just an odd, it's an odd dynamic. It's an odd place to, to find yourself. Yeah. It's definitely right in the middle of relaunching though. I, I remember myself um, when I bet my, in my own relaunch, when I went back to being capital and I went to the analyst and associate orientation and I was 42 years old, you know, and uh, I, I was, a you know, there was no program. I was this sort of, odd one-off hire. Um, but, you know, I was, I was an associate and uh, yeah. some of the same experiences that you had, but you have to have a sense of humor and, you know, you can't take yourself too seriously w- with these interactions yet you want to do really good work. And yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of a balancing act. Yeah. And you have to finesse it for sure. And I just made it very clear up front to both associates and partners at every opportunity, you know, I'm here to do a job. This is my job mm-hmm. and this is where I am in, in the hierarchy and I get that and I'm fine with it. So, you know, just please try to be fine with it as well. Um, and I just tried to do really good work and, and, you know, do what I had been hired to do. And, and it worked out. I mean, I think, you know, I think in the end, um, People, I and and the other thing about Sidley was everybody was rooting for me to succeed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, I had so much support that you know it's not as surprising as it might be other places that you know I was able to navigate that because they really were um, my cheerleaders. 
So, so you ended up leaving Sidley and like, how long had you been there when you left and what happened when you left? Well, it had been, I was going on two years and really, frankly, my intention was to stay there for at least two more years Mm -hmm. and just keep learning and getting myself back up to speed. And then I, I sort of had that two year horizon that I had set and then I'd reevaluate what I wanted to do. So I was literally sitting in my office on a Friday evening. I had just been given a project that was going to take up my whole weekend. And I looked over at my laptop and my phone was next to my laptop. And literally at the same time, an email flashed up and a text right at the same time. Mm. I look over and it's from Julie Wainwright, the CEO of uh, the Real Real. Yeah. So. I had stayed in touch with Julie. Um, she just completely coincidentally, Sidley is the Real World's outside counsel. Ah, can you can you believe that? I, I mean, I am. I can't. She <laughs> she didn't even know. I mean, there was no interaction uh, between the Real Real and Sidley in my interviewing process with OnRamp, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's purely coincidental. So when I when I um, was made the offer by Sidley, I reached out to Julie because I just admire her so much and she's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I said, you're not going to believe this because she knew what I was doing. I mean, it's, it was such a small group back then. I mean, when I left, you know, I left on great terms, obviously, and they were all really supportive of what I was trying to do. And so I emailed Julie and I said, you're not going to believe this, but I'm joining Sidley. And she was so happy and she connected me with the partner, the relationship partner out here, um, her old friend and mentor. And um, so she knew what I was doing and we had stayed in touch. I had met one of Julie's friends in the sales process. She was one of my clients um, who I ended up becoming very good friends with. um, And she was living in New York City also. And so when Julie would come to town, I saw her once or twice. And so we stayed in touch. So that Friday, I see this email and um, text come in. It's Julie, and and all it said, the text said something like, "Liz, you know, we're we're expanding our legal team and looking for corporate lawyers. Are you interested?" Wow. I mean, when I tell you, first of all, I I wasn't looking to leave at all. Mm-hmm. I certainly wasn't looking to move to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at it and I thought, sure, I'm interested. So I, I told her um, that, yes, I would like to speak to the general counsel. And I had, um, that was in the beginning of October. And I had a couple of calls with the general counsel and we were just so on the same page in so many ways, personally and professionally. And so we had great conversations and I came out, they flew me out for interviews out here. Of course, I knew quite a few of the people uh, still. Um, The CFO is the same, the chief um, merchant. um, A lot of the people are the same people in the executive team. And so I interviewed and, you know, four days later, I had a job offer and was uh, coming to San Francisco. (laughs) So you moved across two, two weeks. It was a two-week period from the time I got that first text from Julie to the time I had accepted an offer. Uh, and and you, so you had moved across the country from New York to San Francisco. And, yes. 
And it just, it's this, the coming full circle here. So can you just describe when you had the original position for the real, real, like the company must've been much smaller, like what stage was it at versus now you're joining this much bigger organization and they're hiring, you know, corporate counsel to assist the general counsel. Like it's, it must be like, like just exponentially a a completely context. It's been an amazing experience and, um, you know, so fun to be a part of it because when I, when I started as part of the sales team, we had our, our sale annual sales summit and there were literally 25 salespeople across the country. And I just last week went to our sales summit in Las Vegas and we were in the main ballroom of the Bellagio and there were 350 people. So, I mean, that's just an example uh, of the growth. And it's just a really exciting place to work. Um, it's there, it's a very young workforce, obviously, because really we're a technology company that just happens to have fashion subject matter. So it's, um, you know, it's a very young company. It's very exciting. It, my job is much more about supporting the business people. Mm-hmm. So I corporate counsel I so I'm responsible for all the commercial contracts across the whole company but I then also specifically support sales marketing and PR for obvious reasons I mean I understand what goes on in the field and it's a very very complicated um, function uh, because you've got people going into people's homes you've got individual customers and it's you know there's there's a lot going on there so my experience what's so cool for me, and I think part of why Julie thought it would be a good idea to bring me in, was that I understand what the field team, what their job is. I understand the sales function. I understand a lot about how the business runs because of my prior experience. And then having had my own business experience, that's helpful. And then the fashion piece. I mean, it's it's as if, I, as I said to Julie at one point, I think all, ro- all roads have led me here. I mean, it's such an interesting, amazing uh, confluence of all of the things that I've done in my career and and in my life. And it's really, it's amazing. Yeah. In a, in a way you could have never predicted years ago no. in that first role at Real Real um, on the sales side. Can you just for our listeners who might not be familiar with Real Real, just talk about how does it, what does the company do and how does it work? Sure. We are the largest online luxury consignment site. So we, uh, we sell, we are a marketplace for um, fashion, fine jewelry, watches, fine art, um, home, uh, you know, obviously accessories, handbags, very high end handbags are a big, um, a big category for us handbags generally. So, uh, but we, it's all consignment. So we don't own any inventory in general. Um, Individuals and businesses can sign items to us for us to sell on their behalf. So our fee, you know, a big portion of our business is what's called our white glove service. And that's what I did. That's where the salespeople are, are in the field all over the country um, in cities, uh, in the cities, you would guess, um, cities and areas where 
you know, there's a lot of product to be found and, and con a lot of consigners. And they literally go into people's homes and help them go through their closets and pick up the stuff. We try to make it. That's why it's called white glove service. I mean, we try to make it as, as seamless and painless as possible for people. And then we take all of we take possession of all of this stuff. And we have four or well, three warehouses, um, one out here on the West Coast near outside of San Francisco and two in New Jersey. The one we just opened in Perth Amboy, New Jersey is 500,000 square feet. Wow, <laughs> huge. Yeah. So, um, so we bring in all of these items and, and there are other channels as well. People can send things in. We work with businesses that have um, overstock, um, but we take every item in and photograph it and measure it and you know list it and describe it, you know, do the copy and put it up for sale on our site. So you can imagine it's a very complex, hands-on process, um, and we've really um, got it down to a science in a way that makes us, you know, a real leader uh, in this business because we can handle the the volume. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then everything's listed on our site, and people purchase, and then we pay a commission to the consigner once their item has sold. So, you know, this you had your stay-at-home parent experience, you had your entrepreneurial experience, and then you had this experience being in, in the, on the sales side of the real real early on. Then you went into the on-ramp fellowship, uh, the Pace Law School um, redirections program, the on-ramp fellowship uh, associate experience, you were there at the at uh, Sibley following that experience, and then you had this opportunity to move to the real real. So, what a, a, an interesting stage relaunch huh. process to think about. That. Yeah, um, you've worked in so many different yes. contexts and using these different skill sets, and now it's all come together. Well, that that it's that's just one of the most amazing co career path and relaunch stories I've ever heard. Um, I just, it's, it's, I'm really blown away by it. Um, just as an aside, should relaunchers consider relaunching by consigning uh, items in fashion uh, through the real real? Like, can that be a relaunch path? Uh, in what sense? Sorry. So, like being a sale on the sales side. Oh, on the sales side, absolutely. I mean, we are always looking for, you know, it, it's funny you say that, Carol, because the regional the head so this leadership team of sales they have asked me on numerous occasions what where they should look for um, new salespeople what qualities they should look for what helped me to be successful in that role and um, so there is a lot of opportunity and it is very entrepreneurial and if you have an interest in this and you're good with people and um, absolutely it's a great avenue to get back. And, and a lot, I would say that a lot of our field team is exactly that. They're, they're people who for whatever reason need some flexibility maybe in their, um, in their career or in their work hours. They're people who it's a good path to returning. So I, the answer is absolutely yes. Particularly if you live in an, an area you know, either an urban area or a suburban area where there's, you know, opportunity. 
Um, so yes, I, I think it's a, a great path for people. Well, Liz, we're running out of time and I love this conversation. Um, before we end, I wanted to ask you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Um, you know, people ask me that a lot, actually, and I would say there, I have three things I usually say. First is, there's never going to be the perfect time or the perfect opportunity. And I think we all fear failure, especially later in life, or if we've, you know, maybe lost a little confidence because we've been out for a while, and you, you think you have to wait for that perfect opportunity. And my advice is, jump. Mm-hmm. I mean, so much to be said for just the doing and get yourself out there and get started. It may not be perfect the first go, but you you have to get started. And then, um, you know, believe in yourself. I I mean, I, I always tell people at least three times a day, I second guess myself, but I, I, what I try to do and not always successfully, but what I try to do is remember what I have accomplished in the last few years and remember where I was when I joined Sidley and where I am now and and be proud of myself. The third thing is, and I guess this is particularly relevant to this audience, don't be afraid of your gap. I think people feel like they have to have, you know, an explanation or they have to ignore it or they're embarrassed by it. A lot of things happen in the time that you take off from work that are, you know, might might not be specifically relevant to the job you're trying to get, but they are relevant in terms of your development as a person and your skills and and embrace that and try to find a way to make that a positive and not a negative. I remember in the New Directions program, which my class was all women and to the one that was their biggest fear about re-entering or starting at least starting the interviewing process was how do I explain, you know, that I was home 10 years with kids and what does that mean to a potential employer? How do I explain that I've had to take care of my elderly parents and why is that valuable? Well, you know what it is because you're always learning and there are skills, there are life skills that are ultimately very relevant to work skills. And I think people are realizing that more and more. Uh, Don't be afraid of the gap and embrace it and make it a positive. Excellent advice and an excellent place to end. Um, Liz, can you tell our audience how to find out more about The Real Real? Yes, you can go to therealreal.com and you can find everything The Real Real there, including a careers page if people are interested in, as you said, Carol, relaunching via The Real Real. Um, get on the careers page, see if there's anything for you. And can can uh, you spell it? Spell the URL? It's R-E-A-L-R-E-A-L.com. Do you have the in front of it or just re- Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. The, and then the word real twice. Julie always says we uh, we're so, because everything that we sell, we authenticate. And so she, she always says, people ask her about the name and she says, well, we believe so much in our authentication process that we put the word real in our name twice. Got it. That's a good way to remember it. Uh, Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Carol, it was delightful to talk to you. I've admired you for a long time and thank you for all the work you do for relaunchers. Thank you for saying that. 
And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch and your host. For more information on I Relaunch, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.